Next Chapter Podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 500, the 500, J.A.M. been walking us down through that 2012 edition, so it ain't nothing to new. Hundreds more to go, and in need of a friend, the king of peace for Angelo, talking the 500 until the end, talking the 500 until the end. With my man J.M. On the 500, talking the 500 until the end. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Help. Welcome to the 500. That song is Help. Uh, it's by the Beatles. You know that. You're not living under a rock. It's from their 1965 record of the same name, and it's also number 331 out of 500. What's up? Please, Sammy. How you doing? How you doing? You guys doing good? I don't know why I'm doing an Italian New York accent when the artist today is fucking British. Oh! Uh, join the Patreon. Come on, guys. We're giving you nothing except a great podcast. So pay $5 or more a month and support the incredible people that work on the show. And one of them being like a dog, like a dog. Uh, what do I got going on? What can I promote? Okay. February 20th. I'll be doing the goddamn comedy jam at the comedy store, uh, with some big, big names. One of them is on the podcast today. I'll also be doing the goddamn comedy jam February 15th at uh, the Comedy Cellar. I know my voice sounds like DJ Helen Hank right now. We're doing it at the Comedy Cellar. Uh, it's going to be an incredible lineup, and you can stream it all live into your homes at mintcomedy.com. Also, also, I will be at the... Uh, House of Comedy in, uh, I think it's Scottsdale, Arizona, February 24th through February 27th. Then I will be, uh, well, I'm going to be in Aspen in March. Where is that date at? I'll, I'll put it up on my website. I, I've got more stuff coming up, guys. Minnesota, uh, D.C., uh, Vegas. I'm in New York at the Comedy Cellar. Guys, come to the shows, man. Come to the shows. Oh, Moon Tower Comedy Fest. 
Moon Tower. Guys, go to joshadamires.com, get tickets uh, to all my shows, and you can also uh, follow me online at Josh Adam Myers. Uh, guys, that's what we do, man. We promote. Somebody got mad at me that I promote my shows and ask the audience to join my Patreon. Like a fan on the Apple was like, I can't, he spends all this time promoting. Like, what am I supposed to fucking do, bro? What are you paying for this? Nothing. Then I found out he was a $50 a month investor on, on Patreon. And I was like, I'll, I'll cut it shorter. Uh, all right, Beatles. What do I need to say about the Beatles that you don't already know? One of the best bands that's ever existed. I don't think there is a band that uh, has done more for music, mankind, everything. There's no band, I, I'll be agree, that's brought more joy to people's lives than the Beatles. Because you could say, well, I mean, what about Michael Jackson? Well, I mean, there's two people that, that uh, he definitely didn't bring any joy to. Um, Beatles are the, are the band. They're the quintessential band. They are everything for so many people. And uh, my guest today, who's done the podcast a few times, the one and only Jim Jeffries, uh, I knew that. That was what we connected over when we first met. Because he did the goddamn Comedy Jam, and he opened the first time. And we just, I just met the guy. He did Sgt. Pepper into Little Help from My Friends and uh, wore the jacket that we're going to talk about today. And, um, you know, truth be told, it's like that's what brings people together. And he explains that. And so I'm not going to even get into it anymore. Because Jim is a fan, and you know who Jim Jeffries is. Uh, he's got a great podcast, so you should check out, called I Don't Know About That, uh, with him and Forrest Shaw, and I know they have another host. Uh, he's got incredibly funny specials on Netflix, HBO. That was where I found out about it. Angelo and Byron Bowers were the ones that set me up uh, to uh, to know about Jim. They were like, you got to see this dude. And I've become very close with him over the years, and it's an honor to have him on the podcast for the third time. He's done Stone Roses. Now we're going to talk about all this. What am I, what am I, what are, you, what are you doing, Josh? You're wasting people's time. Just get to the fucking podcast. Raid, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the 500 and listen free on all platforms. If you're listening on Apple, leave a five-star rating and a review. Please leave a review because there's a couple negative ones up there and those people can SMD. Uh, follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Here we go with 331 out of 500 with the album held by the Beatles. Scootly doodly Ned Flanders voice. I've just seen a gym, I can a gym, a doodle scoodle gym, mim mim a gym for me, Jiminy is now, he is gone, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, there he's back, Jeffrey. <laughs> it was good, I thank like you. the song. Thank you, man. <laughs> uh, thank you for tuning in, in in beautiful Kansas City, Missouri. It's, it's cold, but there's no snow or anything. They're very excited about the football game on Sunday. It's, uh, yeah, they were walking around the same outfit, and the game's days away. Do you like being out on the road right now? Like, like realistically? Uh, mate, I, I have a five-month baby, so my official stance is I'd like to be home with the baby. But, yeah, uh, yeah no, I uh, – it's terrible <laughs> being on the road. No, I, I – <laughs> 
I was, uh, they, they got, the, the security came up to me because I was skipping at the airport. So, you know, I was pretty happy to be up. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. This is, so what let's, I feel like we've, we've basically hit, this is now by doing you doing the Beatles, we've hit three of your favorite bands that I know about you, Stone Roses, Oasis, and now the Beatles. Yeah. Are the, are the, who's ranked those three? The Beatles, the Beatles, the most important band that ever was, that ever will be. There's no, I, I, I have a pet peeve when people want to act all fucking, they go, I don't like the Beatles. Everyone likes the Beatles. Shut up. We all yeah. like them. It's like, it's, whenever you say like someone, and then you go, what's your favorite band? And I always go, well, tell us five of their songs. And they can't even list off three of them. But everyone knows, everyone's got 10 Beatles songs, even if you're not a fan that you, that you have in your back pocket that you really enjoy hearing. 100%. 100%. And, but also keep this in mind, Jim, because we were, you know, late 30s, early 40s. And I, I don't know if the generation below us still appreciates i'm not saying they don't know them because when you have things like get back come out people are like oh let me check this out but it's not i don't know if you remember when kanye west did that song with paul mccartney and there were people yeah. realistically on twitter that were like it's so great to see kanye helping launch this new artist paul mccartney and you're like are you fucking yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you ever seen that footage of when paul mccartney dave Grohl, and beck try to get into the hyde nightclub in LA after no. the Grammys and no. they say that they're not on the list and uh, it's, you can find it on YouTube and Paul McCartney's like a little bit like, what do you mean? Not on the fucking list. Like, you know, I'm a Beatle. How, how much more A-list do you have to be? You know what I mean? And it's like, like when you, I guess when you're as famous as him for as long as him, that must've been a very jarring moment when your whole life is one way. You know what I mean? But, yeah. but the other the other two, I, I feel like it's probably happened to them before and they just went, okay, no problem because you don't want to have an argument. You know? Yeah, dude. But most people don't know who Beck is. Most people, but I, I would say for the most part, Paul McCartney might be one of the most recognizable musicians. I mean, that's ever, that's, ever for sure. For sure. He's, really he's, arguably, he's arguably now that, Muhammad Ali's dead. He's arguably the most famous person on earth. You, you know, Michael so? Jackson was always. I, I'd say Paul McCartney's the most famous person on earth. More than more than Donald Trump. I. I know. Yeah, Donald Trump's. That's a tricky one. I'd say more than Obama. I, you know, I don't know. Every every country in the world knows the Beatles. Every single every single one, and he's been famous for so long as well. I I don't know. Pick someone more famous. We've got no more. There's no Elvis. There's no. You know what I mean? I'm trying to think right now. Fucking Michael Jordan. No, Michael Jordan. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you think there's fucking people in <laughs> India that are obsessed with Michael Jordan? No. Yeah, they can't afford the shoes. Maybe in the there. taller countries, but not <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <Yeah. laughs> I don't know. It's like saying, because I could look at somebody that is 20 years old, like 19, 20 years old. Do they know of the Beatles? Yes, they know of the Beatles because the Beatles, like you said, are the biggest band. They're the most influential band probably that's ever done it and still have records today that have never been broken. But specifically, can they name who the Beatles are? Because keep in mind, John's been dead for over 40 years now. George has yeah. been dead for 18, 
Uh, getting, Adam, getting under getting under 20 i i remember when george died because i must have you know i was 18 years younger and i, I was living in britain and i only been living in the uk for a very short amount of time and i made my first group of friends because george died and i've been living in britain for a few weeks and i went down to the abbey road studios where people were just you know standing around singing songs yeah you know, and uh, yeah, so yeah, 2001, because I moved over to, I moved over to Britain on September 12th after the 9-11. Wait, <laughs> you moved September 12th, 2001? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I was packing my bags. I was packing my bags and that happened about 10 o'clock at night in Australia. You know what I mean? I was in Australia and I'd moved back in with my parents for a little while because I was saving money up to move overseas. And I'd never been outside the country apart from just like to Fiji or little islands around Australia, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I was going on my big trip and uh, the Twin Towers fell down. Yeah, yeah I, I had to get to the airport pretty early the next day. Let's yeah. put it that way. I was going to say, what was the TSA like to get through? It's like, yeah. oh, can, we, can we do, we got to do a rectal check. We got to fucking do everything. But then, but then, yeah, so George Harrison, so I get there in September, George Harrison dies in October. Yeah. And I didn't know anyone when I moved over there. So I went out to Abbey Road and there was people just writing all on the wall, you know, love you, John, rest in peace, whatever. Yeah. But there was just, they blocked the street off because people just turned up and just started saying, singing Beatles songs. And I met like the Swedish girls that were there. And then I went out drinking with them afterwards that night. And, they me, and then I just, that's how, that's how I got my first click of friends in London. Really? Because uh, Harris. The Beatles. Yeah. I, so I mean, if you go around Britain, you go around Britain on, you'll, everywhere you walk, you'll see, you just look to the side and you'll see like a, a yellow round plate on a wall. And it will, it will say, this person lived here. This famous person lived here at this yeah. time. All these famous old architects and scientists and entertainers and all this stuff. And so sometimes it's very interesting. You might be a fan of the person. You'd be like, oh, that was Sid James's house. You know, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, so you go to these Beatles tours, which I've done those tours a million times. Every time I'm up in Liverpool, I'd go to them. And now I can give, I can give you a tour around Liverpool. I've done the tour. I could drive <laughs> you around to all the places. I know how to do it, right? <laughs> but, but so they take you to like, you know, John's house has the plaque on it, mm -hmm. but George's house doesn't have the plaque on it because the British government has deemed uh, you have to be dead for 20 years before you get the blue plate okay. on the side of your house because we have to make sure that this is someone that, that's going to be remembered. Yeah, Because, you know, let's say, say it's pop. someone, a pop star who dies, then in 20 years we're like, who? Who got this plate? <laughs> so, so Harrison, Harrison hasn't qualified yet for the plate. Well, hasn't been 20 years. Oh, no, he has qualified. Yeah, now he has yeah, yeah, so he would have just got his plate, yeah. So, so he, yeah, he's just, but when I was living there, he hadn't qualified for the plate. I kept on thinking, what if he gets to 19 years and we all forget about him? <laughs> George who? What are you talking about? <laughs> George, George the, the leathery guy? The guy, George, that's George Hamilton. Oh, okay. But that's the I, thing is he died in his 50s. And when I was, you know, in my early 20s, and I remember at the time thinking, oh, yeah, he had a good life. He's pretty old. But now I'm in my mid-40s. I'm like, fuck that. That's young. Way too young. Way too yeah. young. And from everything that I learned about George, because I started getting into the Self-Realization Fellowship. It was that the book, uh, Autobiography of a Yogi, somebody gave to me, which George was like, 
you know, it, it like consumed him and he would just buy like copies of this book. And when people came over, he would just give it to him. And it's a great book. It tells you, it basically gives you like life principles, like out of all the Beatles, he feels like he was the one that was just okay. Like, and I'm not like, okay. In the way, like, you know, his, his talent, his talent was, was enormous, but I feel like he just, whether he was broke or he has all the money in the world, that dude would have been happy. And I feel like the way that he went out was probably so peaceful. And so just like, do you know what I mean? Like, even though he died young, it was. <laughs> you, you, say, you say that, but he also wrote the tax man. That's right? true. That's true. So, 100%. Well, that was, that so was that a long time a ago. That wasn't a guy who wasn't having an okay day. That's a guy who had a bill through the mail. And that was a fucking fucky note if ever you've seen it. <laughs> Did so. All right. So to, to focus on that, because this is such a weird question with this band, because because they're so big. Jesus, they're so big. And, and it's like we just it's like almost like we're born and then suddenly we hear the Beatles. Do you do you remember how you got into them? Well, my parents weren't big music listeners, let alone the Beatles. My, my, my parents, the only thing they joined together on. And if you ever do one of his albums, I don't know if it makes it into the top uh, one, 500. What is it? But uh, my parents bonded on John Denver, and mm. so I Check have seen I have seen John Denver in concert eight times. I don't think there's anyone my age that's seen him that much because as a kid he came to Australia to see him all the time. So all I grew up was listening to Buddy John Denver all the time, which I still have a soft spot for, incidentally. He's great, but, yeah. But uh, no albums on the list from John Denver. That's just kind of are, they, are there any on there? None. Ah, yeah, how can yeah. you not have country roads? I know home? that's the that's karaoke song on earth. What about the duet album with Kermit the Frog? Yeah, how is that not well, on there? It's not either. a puppet show than anyone. <laughs> anyway, so 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 my parents never really listened to all that. And then I the the what this is such a weird way I got introduced. I, we went on vacation and I wanted to buy like a t-shirt and I was about twelve and I wanted to buy a t-shirt and it was like. I, you know, a band T-shirt. I only bought like a couple of CDs already. I hadn't, you know, but I always, always liked blokes wearing like Metallica T-shirts and stuff. Yeah, and I thought I want to get a T-shirt. And there was like this one T-shirt and it was the Beatles white album. And it just said the Beatles in very small font. It was a white T-shirt on the back. It had those four pictures that are in the white album. Yeah. So I, as a 12-year-old, I bought this T-shirt thinking, oh, this is a cool T-shirt. I knew the name. And then I was, I was on a plane coming back from that holiday and it, you know, when you used to just all watch the one TV mm -hmm. at the end of the plane, like oh, whatever yeah, yeah, movie yeah. It, was, it was in the middle, was, whatever that was, that was, was yeah. And they do like local news things. And they did a thing about there was in the Sydney, in, in the Sydney museum, they were going to do a display of Beatles artifacts mm -hmm. and they played a few of their songs and all that type of stuff. Right. They played a few of the songs and they talked about all the different artifacts and they had the Sergeant Pepper outfits there. And, all that stuff. and, and, and uh, it was Penny Lane was the first track hmm. that they played as they were showing this, this stuff. And I was like, oh, I thought when I get home, I said, to them, I said, I might have a listen to this band. Cause I bought the t-shirt first. <laughs> What wait, then? What attracted you just to a white T-shirt with the Beatles on it? Were you just because I mostly backs? just wear white T-shirts, and the other T-shirts seem busy with like demons and all that type of stuff. And it just yeah. like they look in in those photos, they look like four sort of cool hippies. Yeah, you know, it was that well, era. Yeah, was and I, I didn't, so I just thought that was like a. I even bought a couple of T-shirts, but I bought this T-shirt. I've kept this T-shirt by the way, just for sentimentality. It's still, it's, I still own the T-shirt. Anyway, so. 
So I, I said to my dad, I said, I said, I want to listen to some Beatles albums. And my dad had one sort of, uh, one of the original greatest hits vinyl albums from like 1972 that they just released. Like, and it had 14 tracks on it. It was like the quintessential for, was you it, know, remember when they was, got those Beatles number one albums and everyone yes. bought that one album with that, yeah. that yellow one on it. Mm-hmm. It was like the first version of that one, you know? Okay. And so I listened to that album all the time. And I've got that album as well. I stole that from my dad because he never listens to it. So, nice. so then, and then I just, you know, you start buying the albums. And then, you know, by the time I was, uh, I was 19, I was totally into the Beatles. And then they brought out that documentary. Yes, the anthology. Yep. Yeah. That they was brought out Free as a Bird and they brought out uh, Real Love. Real love and real love was great. It was a great single. Free of a bird was what, what, whatever it was, but it was, it was just fine to hear him again. It was fine, but real love, real love is like felt like a real Beatles song, and it was John. It was John singing it. Uh, and if you buy his, he put out a couple records a few years after that. I would say in like the early to early to mid two thousands, um, he did rock and roll, and then I think it was just called Love. Adam, check that. Uh, but it was like, it was all the demos and things that he had recorded. So that was, that one felt, that one felt right. That fit in with all the other music. Well, mm-hmm. I, I actually went and saw Paul in concert. It was when I, I saw Paul in concert, maybe 15 when he toured Australia, 15 or 16. Yeah. And he still had Linda on the keyboards. And oh, it wow. was, it was the, uh, the hope of delivery of the, um, underground, uh, underground or something. The thing was uh, coming up. It was one of these type of albums. Hope yeah. of Delivery was his big single. And I went to get the tickets to the concert and my mother threw a strop and she was just like, well, I grew up listening to him. I was a fan when I was a teenager, all these things I didn't know. She goes, I want to come to the concert. I've been to other concerts by myself, but my mother said she had to come because, you know, and she, but she'd get the tickets if she could come. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I was like, you're at that age where you're going with your mum, like, fuck, fuck dude. But then also <laughs> it's like, it is her era, not mine. Sure. I'm sort of, at that stage, I'm sort of stepping on her turf rather than the other way around. It's not like, <laughs> but it's also that's what a great way to connect with your mom. Like it's a great, it's a great because well, like the- until you see a 250 pound woman <laughs> screaming like a girl and jumping up and down, you haven't lived, man. <laughs> and I remember like it was it was that era of concerts where you know like Bon Jovi had like the the elastic on him where they were jumping around and. Paul gave it a go. He had like this walkway arm that sort of went all over the audience. Yeah. And he, you know, he had the magical mystery to a piano and he, all that stuff. so I saw that. Anyway, I see the documentary and then I, I sort of had an era of my life where I got really into reading all the books and, and seeing every documentary I could get my hands on. But there's so many piss weak fucking just oh, yeah. stock footage documentaries that are fanboys doing it, you know. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. 
Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Yeah. There's really just... <clears throat> Three documentaries you need. You need the one that the Beatles did, that new one with Paul McCartney uh, on Hulu with, uh, what's his name, the producer. Have you seen uh, that? Wait, Get Back? No, 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 no. Get Back's after. What's the one? Who's the producer with the beard and everything? He did some of the Slayer albums and all that. Rick Rubin. Rick, Rick Rubin. Rubin. So Rick Rubin and Paul McCartney do a thing where they go through how the albums were produced and they moved the settings and stuff. And he said, well, here's my voice here. And, you know, John came in here. That's really good. That's an eight-part thing on Hulu at the moment. And then, obviously, the Get Back thing, which is more just a fly-on-the-wall documentary. Yeah, which is which is great. You know the funny thing? I, I had a girl over when I first started watching it. We were hooking up because I had a long trip. She comes over, like, Ro and I land. We start hooking up. And then afterwards, uh, I'm just like, you want to watch something? My brother, I put on the Beatles documentary and, you know, that I they'd start playing songs and, you know, they start playing like something and, and I'm like, oh shit, me and her start cadoodling again and we start hooking up and it's crazy because they'll play half the song and in the middle it's just like, I'll play whatever you want me to play, John. Just be, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just trying my best and then it'll go back into a song. So it's very broken sex music. Very oh, the, the, the thing, my wife likes the Beatles enough. She's seen Paul McCartney in concert with me. My wife likes them enough. But the thing that happens is she she's not really that interested as such. You know what I mean? So I was watching that doc. If you're a real Beatles fan, you're like, this guy, he's writing something. He doesn't know what the next lyric is. And we all know what the next lyric is. Of and course. he's saying, just like a polygranate, you know, that type of stuff, right? Yeah. And you're like, and then it's like, Ringo's writing Octopus's Garden. And no one's acknowledging him, but George is coming over. The rest of them are like, oh, the simpletons over there writing about an octopus. (laughs) (laughs) You can see all these great songs that didn't make that album because they were pushed out. I think in that documentary, you learned that Paul and John were intimidated by George because George, you know, and as we'll discuss in this album, George, in his early songs, they weren't groundbreaking. They were some catchy tunes. But then once he caught up and then you know, in some ways was, you know, like, so all things must pass is like a two, it's a double album, right? Double, double like record. Loads yeah. of tracks. It was the, he was the first one to have all the number ones and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just started listening back to that album again. And you're like, this is just songs. The Beatles rejected that. hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, all, I think all things must pass. He brought into the let it be sessions, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And I mean, do you, do you he must think- have brought it into the Abbey road? Sessions oh yeah, as well. oh, for sure. So, so for two albums, these songs got turned down. For it's you can almost hear that that all things must pass, which in my opinion is is up there with Band on the Run as the best yeah. solo Beatles record. Um, it, it's it, it was almost like, and you know, even when he quits, it's like you can tell it's like how frustrating that must have been because they always kind of, you know, I think maybe they just kind of like pushed him away and shit on him because they knew that he was catching up as a writer. Yeah. You know? I, don't, I don't even know if that was a conscious thing. I think subconsciously what they were doing it. And then, you know, it's like, it's like when you have a litter of puppies, man, the, the big dog always gets the bowl first, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, they're always like, no, no, we have our songs. 
And then George comes in with one song. That's how we, they've always done it. You know, yeah. and then George is coming in with 10, 15 songs. <laughs> Frustrating. But let's yeah. talk about this album. I've waffled on too much. So basically, this record comes right after Beatles for Sale, which came out in 64. Okay, so I was looking through the tracks because what I wanted to talk about before we even really get into this is is this is the record that the Beatles kind of, I think, started shifting away from the pop sound and started going more towards the Dylan, the, you know, what the times of music was. Because Beatles for Sale, looking at the tracks, you know. This is definitely a transitional album. This is like the last album where they keep doing a few covers. Yes. So, so you, I mean, going, um, this is the album before, this isn't the track list we have now, but there's no reply. I'm a loser. Uh, I'll follow the sun eight days a week. These are some of the bigger songs off of it, which are starting to go into what the times are. All right. So this is their fifth record. Uh, came out in 1965, August of 65. Uh, seven of the songs served as a soundtrack to the accompanying film. Have you ever seen the film, Hell? First of all, 1965. They've been famous in America for a year and a half, maybe a year. Yeah. And it's their fifth album. So it's you crazy. put that in context. Well, I, I talk, my, when I, I used to have Morty on the podcast, I remember we were talking about this because the Beatles put out uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam. I want to say nine or eleven records. Is it eleven or eleven or twelve records in the span of 1964 until 1970? And the reason they were doing that is because it was like once a record took off, they would they would tour for them. They only toured for a short period of time. I think this is right around the time they stopped touring. And then they would just to ride that momentum. It was just constant writing because most people's music careers at that time did not last that long. So they were trying to capitalize on as much shit as possible. And already, if this is their fifth record, Jim, think about this, man. If you go back to Please Please Me and you listen to that pop shit, like there's already in those five records been uh, a huge difference in song. Huge difference in a huge difference in the way they've, they've already changed the way they look like, I think like two or three times, um, you know, they're starting to venture into like psychedelia a little bit. You can hear it in some of the drums that reminded me of tomorrow never knows. Um, but yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's extremely people. When you talk about the Beatles, Jim, and, and people don't know about them. And you're like, oh, man, they put out 12 records of the biggest band in the world. And you're like, oh, well, they must have been around for 20 years. And you're like, dude, they were really only popular for seven years. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's insane. That's insane yeah, yeah. to be able to make that transition from one style and keep adapting. So this record is is them, you know, in a sense, starting to see what the influence in America is and starting to transition into that. So here's a little bio. So you were, you were saying with the movie, you watched the movie? I, I, I feel like I've seen it, but I'm not sure. I, I, if I, I, I just, It's them times. running around, right? Them just like being it's, chased it's, by girls. It's very clear. Well, they say this in documentaries and stuff like that, but what happened with the Beatles were that they'd done A Hard Day's Night, which is widely regarded as a fan. Like, it's always in the top 100 films, Hard Day's yeah. Night. Spielberg quotes it as being... A film they watched in film school. Somebody, somebody, I think actually just they re-released it. It was like another thing like Peter Jackson did, but maybe it was Spielberg. But somebody did something with it. Adam, check that. Well, so a hard day's night was. So they moved from black and white 
later, and now they're getting doing ecology. Yeah. And, you know, like you've met actors. When you meet like an A-list movie star, I always think to myself when I, if I were, whenever I met someone like this, I, I think their life must be hell. And then I also think they do like four months on set, four months on set. I'm like, that's not a life. And then I think their freedom is in work. Yeah. Because when they walk out the public, they can't get a bar. Everyone's new in. Once they're on a set and they're in a community of people and there's the crew and the other actors and all that type of stuff, that's their community of people they have dinner with, they think people mm-hmm. treat them normally. So that's why they work so much because that's where normal feels, you mm-hmm. know? And so for the Beatles, they, they've been going off and you know, touring, touring constantly for that year, try promoting others. They've been to Australia, they've been to New Zealand, they've done everything, right? <laughs> and then for the second album, they literally went, we'd like to go to Barbados or go skiing. So the whole script was written around holidays. Um. So, so vacations. So you'll see there's the scene on the cover of the album where they're at the, they go into the Alps. Then they're in Barbados. They're hanging out there. They just, they just travel around. Then they're at Stonehenge for a bit. But it was anywhere that they could go on holiday. <laughs> and the whole premise of the movie is that it starts off with, Ringo's got a ring on him because that's where the nickname comes from. Uh. And the ring, the movie starts in a temple with someone being sacrificed. And so the ring turns out that this tribe in, I want to say South America, uh, wants this ring back, which is a ceremonial ring. And the whole, throughout the whole movie, it turns out it's stuck on his finger and they can't get it off. So people are chasing after him. So it is oh. just them running around where people are chasing them. But if, if they could figure out a time for them to go surfing or skiing or something like that, they worked it into the script. <laughs> Fucking genius, dude. And Fucking... it's not a bad film. There's like really nice sort of cute bits. Like, you know, they walk it, they, they come to their houses in London, they walk in the four doors. They're like, all right, see you later. Bye-bye, bye-bye. They go in the door and it turns out that it's just one big house. Yeah. And they're all like just in the same house. And then it gets like a little bit like the monkeys. And anyway, that's, that's not for you. I'm still, I'm still very impressed that that I just thought it was literally fangirls chasing them. I had no idea they had a jail. Hard Day's Night is fangirls chasing them. And the the help is, help is a tribe of people who want to ring back for a ceremonial suicide execution (laughs) to get off Ringo's finger. And there's, there's things like, there's things like they figure out if they can shrink Ringo and there's like that one footage of Ringo gets shrunk and he wraps himself in like a Wrigley's bubblegum wrapper. Yeah. You know, all the props are bigger at him. So there was a few little, I think what they called special effects back then. <laughs> but, you know, it, was, it was in color. <laughs> it's claymation. Um, all right. So it was recorded in London uh, in between February and June 65. A different version of the album was released in the United States a week later with instrumental tracks from the film. Uh, the bitter blah, 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 being included in the American version, but excluded all of the second side uh, tracks from the British release. So just some little back facts about this record before we start going into the tracks. It sold over a 1.3 million copies in the United States by the end of 65. It peaked at number one on both the UK albums and the US Billboard top charts. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Adam, you said you wrote down there earlier that this was like the first actual Beatles record that the critics really got behind. This is like their most adult songwriting up to this point. It's nominated for album of the year at the 66 Grammys, which was the first time a rock band was being recognized for that category. It lost to Frank Sinatra's September of my years. Uh, and this was also voted 119th best 
in the all-time 100 albums poll in the 2000s. And then we have just a bunch of other, you know, like you said, the, the movie spoof of the band, the album cover shows the Beatles with their arms positioned to spell out help uh, in a flag. Yeah, I don't see that. I know that's what's meant to be happening. I it's don't more, see help in those arm positions. It's Morse code. It's Morse code with arms. Are you familiar with Morse code, Jim? I, it's a, it's a beep, 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 beep noise. I don't know how that would help. <laughs> so, the first, so, so that's an H, is it? I always look at that album. No, but I always look at that album cover and they all kind of like have like a Willy Wonka Oompa Loompa outfit on. You know what I mean? It's just not from what the Beatles have looked like and, and like how cool they look like. That's the fucking lamest shit. Yeah, but I've you know what that in. is? That's English people going to the snow because that was taken in the in the snow thing. That was <laughs> that was the height of snow uh, technology, skiing technology then. Nah, dude. They look like they look like that chick Violet after she eats that 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 gobstopper and starts turning blue. Like that is yeah. not flattering at all. It makes it makes whoever is second to the right looks fucking fat as fuck. Ringo looks like he's swimming in it. He can't even barely get his goddamn neck out. And whoever's got the top hat on, it's fucking lame, dude. Somebody should have fucking told him what the fuck, Brian Epstein. Tell these dudes. Yeah, Harris, Harrison's got the top hat on. Oh God! That's that's Paul second from the right. Yeah, and George yeah. at the end, and John second. God. The number you have reached is one hundred point seven WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station; it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. I feel like Get down! The wrath of the buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. What's up, everyone? This is Jay Reason, and I want to let you all know that Diablo Zen Podcast is now part of the Sound Talent Media family. Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezak, interview artists from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond. We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, L.A. street photographer Estevan Oriol, Jimmy G from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law, and pro wrestler Vampiro, to name a few. If you're a fan of good discussions and lots of laughs, tune in and join the fun. All right. The album opens with help. Here's what I love about the song Help. Uh, so a few, maybe about a, no, no, maybe about a year or two ago, right before the pandemic, we were about to do a festival in Moon, at Moon Tower in Austin. And I had been listening to the Beatles. Oh, I know what it was. I took mushrooms and I listened to all of the Paul McCartney tracks on the record, all, on all the records, starting at the first album, because I was getting ready to do Band on the Run on the podcast. And I was tripping balls, listening to it. And the song Help came on. And I was like, and it, maybe it was just that I was tripping, but I was like, this is my favorite Beatles song of all time. I feel like this is a perfect but it's, a, it's a John song, though. Yes. Well, hold on. Yes, it is. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's like I was starting the record, and I mean, it just came on, and I just let that play. Because I listened to most of the tracks. I would skip through. But when I got to this, I was like, this is like, this is arguably their greatest song, and especially, I think, probably one of their best songs up until this point. Um, I think it's I think it's one of those amazing bits of music. If you read the lyrics to help as a poem, it's it's almost devastatingly sad the depression that that person's going from from. 
But then you have them all go woo in the song, and all of a sudden it's a pop song. And so yeah. a lot of people have done covers of Help. There's a guy in Australia called John Farnham who did You're the Voice, if you remember that, right? Mm. But John Farnham did a cover of Help, and it's unrecognizable from this song to the next song, you know what I mean? And like, like John had said in interviews that he was screaming out for help, you know? He was having problems with fame and drugs and what to do. You know, he'd only been super famous for a short amount of time. Yeah. And, but yeah, no one listened because, you know. <laughs> You're that famous. It's such an upbeat song, really. Yeah. And also, it's like they, it's just like, oh, he's just writing, he's just writing a, a song, you know, in a different voice or whatever. It's like, you don't realize that when you get to be that famous and you go from like being, like having your whole life where you can do whatever you want. And at this point, I mean, they can't do fucking anything, no. right? I mean, this is no, like- they, they can't leave the houses. This, they can't leave the houses. Um, do you have, is there, uh, Adam, is there anything about like what, what, he, what was behind what he was writing about? One thing he said here is he it was initially a downbeat piano driven ballad and it was changed to being an up-tempo song due to commercial pressure. And there's he, a there's a cover. I, hey, Jim, you probably know this because I know you're a big fan. Do you remember the movie uh, I Am Sam? Yeah. The, the Sean Penn movie. Yeah. And they did all these covers and somebody. Uh, that, I, that, that, that That's one of the best Beatles albums. That, that It has, you know, Nick Cave on it and it has yeah. uh, Liam and Neil Finn on it. It has um, oh, Eddie Vedder, I think, does Hide Your Love Away on it. Yeah. I think. Yeah, you know, and, and, and that and but that version of help is what I expect this probably sounded like before yeah. the the you know the upbeat tempo came in. Um, this is you know I, I said it, man. It this is one of the best songs I think they've ever done, especially not just because of how poppy it is, but I think it's because it really like when you said it's you said it perfectly. You read these lyrics. This is this is a real pain that somebody's going through. This is a call for help. And then it also it fucking rips. It really yeah. is a great song. Um, yeah. this, this is the second single released off the record. Top the charts on both sides of the pond for three weeks. It was their fourth Fourth of six consecutive number one singles on the American charts. Um, yeah, dude, what a way to open the record. Um, let me ask, see if there's anything else about this one. Uh, in 70, Lennon remembers interviews. He said that the song was one of his favorites among the Beatles songs. He wrote along with Strawberry Fields Forever. He said they were his most honest, genuine Beatles songs and not just written to order. Yeah. Hmm. hmm. God, I want to know what Paul was going through. Did you, in any of those fucking books, did they did they go into detail about like, you know, the pain? The it was John who wrote. It was John who wrote. That's what he I said in many interviews that he was feeling depressed or whatever. But you know, I, I think at this stage as well, like a lot of people say, you know, the harder drugs came in. You know, like there was heroin on the last album with John. You know, but I think that was just really just getting into weed at this stage, man. <laughs> like Wait, taking he, heavily. They, they reckon they reckon in that film, if you watch the movie, there's a there's a scene where uh, they play curling on the on the ice. You yeah. Know? And one of the curling rocks was meant to be a bomb that was coming to get him. And Ringo's so stoned in that that uh, you know in that footage that they told him just to run away when the bomb got close. And they reckon Ringo ran over he kept on running. <laughs> like they didn't see him for a long time. <laughs> Who do you, so did Paul, not Paul, did, did John do the most amount of drugs in the band from what we know? 
I, well, this is an interesting thing because, you know, Paul's the one who admitted to, you know, taking LSD and that's when they, they like, you, admit that you got asked that the question, you know, mm. in an interview. Um, I would say, because there is documentation to say that John did heroin. So that's real. That's real. Re- <laughs> Heroin's not the first drug you try, right? That means no. you've gone through all the other ones. Yes. You know, so I would say probably John, but I, you know, who knows? I don't think it was Paul. I think George was mostly a pothead. Well, I think John, from what I do know about him, had definitely had the most traumatic childhood out of all. Well, of yeah, but that's he sings about that being an orphan is not easy, and the, the whole auntie that he grew up with that yeah. you know. And there's a lot of, there's a lot, you watch different movies and she'll sometimes be depicted as a saint and sometimes who will just, you know, was firm on him, but, you know, always there when he got home and all that type of stuff. And then, and then, you know, but if you ask Cynthia Lennon in any book that she's written, Aunt, Aunt Mimi was a bitch. <laughs> you know, really? Like, well, she was stuck at home. She was stuck at home uh, pregnant with Julian and all that when they were off on tour. And then she was stuck with the auntie while she had Julian yeah, and they were, you know, uh, denying that John was even married, you know, so she probably had a hard, t- I think she, out of all the Beatles sort of, you know, the characters and all, all the people, if you were to make a play, mm-hmm. that's one of the most tragic parts. Cynthia. Cynthia Lennon, what she had to go through. Yeah. You know, yeah. Cause then, you know, by the time Julian gets to be five, six, you know, then he's off with Yoko, and he's then he's tra- then he's living in bloody New York without the kid. You know what I mean? Mm. And didn't leave any money. And you know, so it's it's uh, you know, I, look, I wasn't there, but I felt I feel quite sorry for that. But she only passed just recently. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's from everything that I have learned about that situation. It's it's it is really sad. And like, I mean, even when we watched the was it the anthology where they where they talked to where they talked to Julian and and you know he was jealous of the love that he saw Sean getting. Yeah, and how he's just like you know, well, dude, I'm your I'm your fucking kid too, and it's like, you know, but it's like it's that part of that marriage that he. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna say he didn't give a fuck about, but you know, from what we know, it's definitely, you know, can you imagine what that would be like? It's like you strike it rich suddenly, and then you're like, oh shit, I have a kid and a brand new baby. Yeah, I, you, you've you've knocked up someone when you're like 20. Yeah, and then you're famous at 21. I don't know if I would have done it better. No, no, you know, hey, you, you, you could have justified it in your mind or something, but it, it's a that's a tricky situation for everybody. Yeah. All right. Night before. Uh, this is a great song. This is a great song. But I, I, here's what I think about this record is that you've got you've got the songs that are, are in just, I mean, massively, uh, uh, you know, attributed to the Beatles where it's like like help. And then the third track. Well, so what, what are you going into next? We're going into uh, Rubber Soul next. Next is going to be, yeah, so this is, so yeah, so this is the bridge uh, between Beatles for Sale, which has like Hard Day's Night, and then Rubber Soul, which is, the, which like I said, is the Beatles going full Dylan, going R- full R- Rubber like. Rubber Soul and Revolver is their, is their sweet spot, where they're all getting along. Yeah. And making music together still, and experimenting, but before they all sort of started to separate. I reckon that's the sweet spot, right? Yeah. And this album here is leading into it, because this album still has, 
covers and some of them like hokey sort of covers like we're gonna put me in the movies <laughs> and that's just like you want ring on a yeah right and and so you got little hokey things like that and the george tracks on this aren't george's greatest work you know they're they're still a person who is just you know finding their voice finding the voice exactly and and john and paul have a couple of belter tracks on here which could have been on Revolver or or uh, Rubber Soul Ease or any of the albums past it. Like, like you also got to remember that, like, so you've got, I know we'll get to the track, but you've got, like, Yesterday, mm-hmm. which is probably why the critics, or Love the adult record, critics yeah. started saying they liked it, because every single fucker on earth liked that song. Everybody. Your grand liked that song. Teenagers were making out to that song. Everyone had felt, I think it's the most, and, and you it can is. research this right now. I might be wrong. I believe it's the most covered track in history. It is. It is. That's yeah. that's something that I, I heard that fucking years ago. I remember my dad said that to me because this, like you said, this is a song like we'll get to yesterday, but that's a song that transcended everything. If you were white, black, Chinese, you knew this song, you loved it. It was, I mean, it was, it's, I, in my opinion, I kind of think it's the reason that this record is you know where it is on the list because i don't know if, if yesterday's not on this is it still such a prolific record yeah and you it's think? also it's 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 the first track that when they toured where the rest of the band left the stage so really? I, I don't that, that might have foreshadowed things to come but but it was like paul would just be there with an acoustic guitar by himself and then the band would come back out it's like you know that bit where liam's voice is ripped and noel just sings wonderwall you know yeah. like yeah, so everyone would leave and then, you know, but what a fucking cracking song. <laughs> cracking song, dude. And this my, my, fa- my father and mother that that that's the only thing they, they they say when they were going on a boat leaving for England, they were, you know, both going to England to travel. They yeah. incidentally were on the same boat, but they didn't meet each other till they were in London. So they're two Australians that met in London. Oh, cool. And the boat ride from Australia to London takes two weeks. And my dad was, you know, no planes, but that the normal person could afford, you know? Yeah. And uh, so two weeks on a fucking shitty boat. It's not like like now with water slides and 17. Yeah, it's that carnival cruise. Yeah. Yeah, this is a fucking boat, right? <laughs> and uh, and my dad said, my dad always said, he goes, oh, yesterday was the big, the big song on that two weeks that everyone was listening to. That was the song that everyone was playing over and over and over again. And that's how he remembers that time through that song. That's, it's, you know, if he hears that song, he remembers that boat ride, you know, music yeah. can do that. All right. Yeah. Night before. I, I think it's a great song. I think it's kind of the filler of this record. There's yeah. Some, there's about four filler tracks. In there. Exactly. Some exactly. better than others. So now let's get to the, the really ones I want to focus on, uh, which I remember the first time. So after the anthology came out, Jim, I, that was when my obsession with the Beatles really started. I would been hair metal. The Beatles were always in my life but I wasn't obsessed with them and realizing how important and how good they were. And all the songs that I had heard throughout the years that I didn't even know were theirs were, was when I watched the anthology. And so I'm listening to this record. You've got to hide your love away comes on. It's a John song. This is 100%. And even John says it, this is from their Dylan period. Uh, He said, I'm being a chameleon. I was influenced by what was going on. The Elvis was the earlier stuff and the Everly brothers. But he said, but when Dylan came on, this is what they fucking stole. In a sense, stole, but not stole, influenced. Yeah, but Um, it's also, it's even a a slight shift in John's voice. What do you think? What do you mean? 
under my fist wall. Back of his throat, it was a bit more Bob Dylan-y and folky than it's like. And you can sort of hear that when Liam Gallagher sort of, that's where the, the mimicking that he's doing. It all comes from Dylan through John to the, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And, and if you watch the movie, because that song's just played like a video clip. So they all go to the house and it's like, there's really just John just playing and the rest of them are sort of sitting around doing something like that. But then Ringo's just sitting next to him with the tambourine and he goes, here is then in here turn my face to the wall. <laughs> it's like for that one track I could have been in the Beatles <laughs> I think there's a lot of moments where you think about Ringo where you're like uh, you know is he, is no, I'll tell you what man I watched that, that get back I had yeah. a newfound respect for him he was really? the only one in every single fucking one of those takes you always notice he was on time everyone else showed up and they were just like yeah sorry I'm late I had a big breakfast then I didn't set my alarm and then John would show up when he bloody showed up and yeah. Paul would just be there just tuning every bloody instrument in the room. And then Ringo would just come in. He'd have like a cup of coffee and like four packets of cigarettes. Yeah. And he'd just be like, all right. And then like, as soon as they said, we're doing this, he never went, well, I don't really want to do that. You know, he just went, he played along a bit. And you know what else I liked about him? When like Paul McCartney brought in his stepdaughter, Ringo was charming and delightful and the little girl was just sitting next to him on the drum kit. And I thought, fucking stand up guy, man. Dude, fuck, I'm going to save it to the end, but I, there's something about the aura of Ringo Starr where I've, I've, I've seen him before. I've seen, I've met two Beatles. I met him and I met Paul McCartney, both in Los Angeles, and they both have a glow, but there is a overall vibe of Ringo that just feels, I mean, way more pleasant, way more approachable. Do you think... Do you think if, and this is because we're talking about it, do you think that if, let's just say, you know, Ringo decides to leave in, you know, when they did do the Maharishi stuff when they went, remember when he was like, well, I'm quitting the band. And they were like, no, no, no. If, if Ringo leaves, because I don't think if George leaves, if Paul leaves or if John leaves, the band could keep going. Do you think they could have just subbed in another drummer and we'd still be well, like. Okay. So, so there's, okay. So Ringo got, I believe his tonsils or his appendix. I think he's tonsils. Right, because uh -huh. I remember, it. and so on the Australian tour, when this is like 1964, and the only reason they did the Australian tour is because they were going to tour Australia anyway, but they got famous in that six months before it was about to happen. Mm -hmm. Someone had just gone, We got some gigs for in Australia. They're playing these little tiny venues in Australia and New Zealand. Why do you think at their peak they would go down there? Yeah, but they honored the contract and did the gigs, you know. So, yeah. so in that period, Ringo had his, I believe his tonsils were removed. Yeah, his tonsils were removed, 1964. And they brought in a different drummer. And I always look at that bloke because very clearly he'd been given the gig, you know, three weeks earlier, had to learn all the songs and all that type of stuff. And he's probably like the type of drummer who was a backup drummer for Cliff Richard or some shit like that, right? Mm -hmm. And he just couldn't grow his hair fast enough. He had that bank account and hair. He had a part of hair. And he just sort of like, yeah, yeah, tried yeah. to put it down, but it was going just very <laughs> low on his forehead. Yeah, you know? and, and so uh, I, I, I don't know if Ringo had some resentment towards that or whatever. He was in hospital at the time. But, you know, of course the gigs could go ahead. But the reason why I say if Ringo leaves the band, the band dissolves because that wasn't him leaving the band. That was him taking some time off. Yeah. If Ringo leaves the band, the band will dissolve. It's not because they couldn't find another drummer who'd be as good, if not better. 
but because I feel like he mediated the group better than everyone else. Even even after the band breaks up, you know, Ringo's helping out on the Imagine album and John's singing How Can You Sleep at Night? And there's a lot of lyrics taken out because Ringo's like, come on there, John, this is a bit mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even then, I feel like he was the peacemaker of the group. No, I, and you then know I what? think like he might have left at other times because he felt neglected or unwanted or something like that. Underappreciated. But I reckon he put out a shitload of fires in that band. I, I you know what? I never, I never even thought about the perspective. That's a hundred percent apt. Yeah, um, Ringo, if you're listening, I fucking love you. Don't ever change. Uh, and also, we're, as comedians, how important is the funny guy of the group? They were all funny. Yeah, but Ringo was very funny. Do you think Ringo was the funniest? Not maybe not you, but. Maybe if you're not going to pull out Ringo quotes, yeah. you know, you're always going to piffy a quote from John or you'll get a drier quote from George, right? And Paul wasn't the funny one, right? No. But out of those two, but I believe just for goofballiness, just for the, like, they go, what What about you all being four Elvises? It's not true. It's not true. He was just a goofball. That's <laughs> he was why he was, he, he was the best on screen in both the movies. He's the only one who had an acting career. And, and you know, Paul gave it a go in different things. Send my regards to Broadway and all these things he did. Ringo's, mate, you got to be funny to bang a Bond chick if you got a nose like that. So you want to tell me, you want to tell me that that guy wasn't funny? Oh, I think <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, all right. Let's see. Great song. I do have to say this because somebody I I know you listed this. Some people have suggested uh that the song uh, I Gotta Hide Your Love Away is uh is written for the Beatles manager Brian Epstein, who had to hide his homosexuality from the public. Uh Lever uh Lennon himself has never publicly uh, discussed the inspiration for the song. Uh, I've never. Yeah, bes- that, that could be true. And there was yeah. always a rumor that, and there's meant to be letters and stuff, but he had quite the crush on John. So, ooh, you that know, could, that could have changed everything. <laughs> like, because you know, John kind of did. They, they, you know, it was the '60s and the '70s. They probably did some quasi gay <laughs> shit. You know, yeah. who knows? Who knows? God, they're both dead now. Fuck. All right, yeah. I need you. Yeah, if they were alive, you'd find out. <laughs> yeah, if they were alive, they were alive. I just asked them. <laughs> But Hold sadly, on, me, I'll never get to the bottom of this with them being get, dead. Let me get JL on the phone. Let me get little little Len Len. All right. I Need You by George. Uh, this one's written about Patty Boyd. Uh, what do you think? You want to really, this is this is one of the this is one of the filler songs. Yeah, but it's not No, it's it's not bad. Oh no, by the way, when we say filler and I think you agree with me, they're not bad songs. The Beatles no, they're not bad songs. The Beatles have never made a bad song. Yeah, it's it's uh Yeah, it's um Yeah, that Patty man. Fucking I, I don't wanna speak, you know, but uh, she must have one magical ass pussy, that girl. Yeah. I tell you. Because she's had more fucking pop songs written about her than anybody. Like, guys, when they fell for her, they fell so fucking hard that they were drowning. Like, she had a way with the boys, I tell you. So, wait, so Layla? Layla's about her. So, basically, didn't Eric Clapton... Eric Clapton left... Wait, no. She left George to be with Eric Clapton. Clapton. His best friend. That's... His best friend. And they still made friends afterwards. And then, yeah, George was like, well, at least you didn't leave for some arsehole. You know, at least I like the fellow. But, like, also, the way you look tonight. Yeah. And that's a big song. It's a great that's a, song. 
That's a big song. Lay the way you look like something. I need you. Countless other Paul McCartney. But like, okay, so something's regarded as, like Frank Sinatra said, the greatest love song ever written. Mm -hmm. Right? So that Sinatra used to cover that song. And now I think, I think Here Comes the Sun and, Sun and Something are the two most downloaded Beatles tracks. Yeah, I think it's the number one. I'm almost positive it's that's what's number one on Spotify is um, the, the first one he said. What was it? Here Comes the Sun. Yeah, let me just double check. It is Here Comes the Sun, 70, 762 million. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake and host of Krista Makes a Podcast. A songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Can yeah. you name, let me ask you, well, I got it right here. Can you name, so here comes the sun is number one. What's number two? I believe it'll be Let It Be. You're right. All right, what's yeah. number three? I think something's number three. Nope, not even in the top five. Oh, what's number three? Come Together. Uh, see, Come Together is not one of me faves. It's one of these it's ones not, that everyone likes. It's fine. But it's good. But it, you know what it is? You know about come together, come together. It, it, it's, it's, it's not, it's not like, it's not like early Beatles. It's, it's not even, it's, it's like a combination of like, of like pop funk, you know, rock. So you can play well, it. I think, a I think, I think come bars. together is very palatable to every genre exactly. and every generation. Like if you're, exactly. if you're into R and B or funk or something like that, and then you hear, oh, yeah. it's a great start. Dun, 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 dun. You know what I mean? Like it's mm -hmm. it's got it's got a groove to it. It's got a, it's got a groove. And then and then uh, I'll just I'll just skip ahead just to follow that up. It would be then yesterday and hey Jude. Um, hey hey Jude's my favorite song, and I know it's a bit of a kitschy song, but it's like I, I've been in Glastonbury on on mushrooms in a muddy field, going na 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 na. And the reason it's my favorite song is. To have 80,000 people do that, I've been to several concerts. There's just not an angry person in the nah. room. And, Dude. And we, it's, just, it's such a simple tune, and it just crosses any any language barrier on earth. I can go, You left Cancun before this happened, but <clears throat> on the last night, because we, were, we did shows out on the beach, and if we went over midnight, they warned us that they were going to cut the power. And on the third night, final night of JFL Cancun, they cut the power in the middle of Donnell Rawlings' set. And Joel, my guitarist, just pulled out the acoustic guitar. We finished the song. And then instead of we had everybody hold their cell phones up, and then we did an acoustic version of Hey Jude. And it was like 1,500 people because everybody, we were the only show going on. And, I mean, it was, it was like Bruce Hill from JFL came up to us, and he was like, you saved the festival. 
He's like, by doing that, and it was because it was just that magical thing, that like that that final piece. That's why, Jim, and you know it. Anytime we do it at the jam, and we're we're you know we there's so many long verses of Hey Jude, but everybody always wants to get to you know Jude, Jude, Jude. They just want to get to the scream part, so they're constantly trying to move it up. And we're like, no, 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 we still got we still got to sing about Julian. We got to still sing about this person. He's got to be on his shoulder. Um. All right, so Patty, yeah, back to this album. Patty's, <laughs> Patty's got some sweet puss. Another girl. Uh, <laughs> it's a good one. Good three-part harmony. I don't know. Let's get to what, – what do you want to get to? You want to get to Ticket to Ride? Because I feel like we can skip over – I feel like we can skip over another girl and you're going right. to lose that girl. Right? right for you, I've got to another, another girl. girl. You gotta lose that girl is a great song. Let's not just jump over to that. That's a great song. That's also in the movie. That's the one where where the like Ringo's on a stand and they're digging. There's a saw going around the whole drum kit, and yeah. at the end of the song he falls down. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's like uh, um, you gotta lose that girl is also it's like another bit of Ringo when he's drumming he keeps a cigarette in his mouth the whole time and he's just surrounded by smoke and he never takes it out for a drag and just smokes it just by puffing out of one side of the mouth may have been why i took up cigarettes you know like it was uh mm. he looked cool <laughs> as fuck the beatles always look cool even when they're fucking in their weird blue moo-moos they fucking look cool yeah. It's not filler. I hate to call these songs filler, but I mean, when we got to, when you really got to talk about this record, you got to get to number seven, which is Ticket to Ride. Uh, right. Controversial opinion. One of my least favorite Beatles songs. Really? Yeah. What, what don't I you like about it? I like the harmony today. I think harmonizing and just hearing them, you know, do the voice and all that type of stuff. But I've never really. It's one of these ones, I, I never skip over a Beatles song, but it's not one that I, I go, when I hear it on the radio, I'm like, all right, pumped. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I also don't feel like this is one that's played a lot. Like, there's, you know, there's so, I don't know, is it even on the number one album? Uh, if it got it to was, number one, yeah, I, think because it was, I think there was 27 number ones or something. Or so, all right, so here, here are the facts on it. Uh, first single release from the record, it was their seventh uh, straight chart topper. So, yes, it's on the number one thing. And the third straight in the U.S., it is the first Beatles song. And this is actually kind of interesting. It's the first Beatles song over three minutes in length. Wow, that is interesting. Um, here, we were over three minutes before that. Nothing was, this is the first one. Also, I found this to be really cool. And Adam, you pulled this fact out and I fucking love it. So there's there there's a lot of uh, different- is, Are you about to say about prostitutes? Yeah, you knew it. I know, I know this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it, it's, it's meant to be- it's meant to be your, your your fucking passport, but I think from Hamburg they had to do it, or maybe yeah. Amsterdam or something. You explain it. I, I, I only so, that God damn it, dude! You fucking know, bro. I should have known. It's about prostitutes. You're like this is, <laughs> this is Jim's expertise. While the lyrics <laughs> describe a girl riding out of the life of the narrator, the inspiration of the title phrase is unclear as the meaning of the song. McCartney said the title referred to a British Railways ticket to the town of R Ride on the Isle of Wight. And Lennon said it described cards indicating a clean bill of health carried by a Hamburg prostitute in the sixties. Yeah, because the term was the term was if they had a ticket to ride, that means you could ride them, and they were all clean and ready to go. I, I pray it's that. 
I pray it's that. Because you know they were doing that. You know. Dude, it's the fucking 60s. They're in, you know, they're in Germany. This is what what I fucking know about the Beatles. Yeah. They're going to lie until they're going to take everything to fucking the grave. You know what I mean? I don't buy into this bullshit that, oh, no, no, Lucy in the Sky with Diamond had nothing to do with LSD. My son Julian brought me a painting and it had a picture of Lucy and she was flying around with stars. And I said, what's that? And he <laughs> said, it's Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. And I thought, that's beautiful. And I write a song. And they still stick to that bullshit. And they can suck bullshit. a dick because that's not fucking true. <laughs> if that was the case, why did it have kaleidoscope eyes and the film clip had the eyes with kaleidoscopes going like this and look through and all it's all psychedelic it's fucking about LSD. It's bullshit. We yeah, don't care. just 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 you're you're in your you're close to 80. Just just spill the fucking juice. Let us know what's like. Dude, there's so many people. There are so many people that are waiting with bated breath just for one of the Beatles on their deathbeds just to have like a tell-all book. And they should. I feel like for us, they've transcended. Just like Michael Jackson should, like fucking, if he ever oh, yeah. did. Yeah, you are pulled to go. I've been dead for years. That, <laughs> yeah. that one didn't happen. No. Fucking hell, those nuts, buddy. Put that together. Yeah, he died and got replaced by Billy Shears, and then Billy Shears became one of the best left-handed bass players of all time. Like, get the fuck out get of the here. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Uh, yeah, Ticket to Ride. All right, you, you got me thinking differently about it. It's not bad, but... Uh, no, 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 it's, it's all right. No, I, it's one of those songs that I, I understand why other people like it, but just me personally, I go, yeah. Yeah, definitely not my favorite off this record, but definitely one of their hits. Uh, Act Naturally is our Ringo song. Um, all right, let's rank, let's rank. Who is that a cover from? Who, 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 who wrote that song? Uh, Buck Owens. Right. So Buck Owens. Is that a country western hit here yep. in America? Um, uh, so what I've got is originally written and recorded by country music star Buck Owens and the Buckaroos. It reached the top of the Billboard country singles charts in 1963. Ringo sings lead vocals on the track. Uh, this was a staple of what he then formed with Ringo Starr and his all-star band. He actually recorded a duet version with Buck Owens in 89. Adam, look up for that. I would love to see that, what Buck Owens looks like. Um... I think this was a John idea because he really loved uh, the country Western sound when he was living in Liverpool and loved, you know, he actually heard that before rock and roll. Uh, ranking the the Ringo songs. What are we working with? Where, where uh, does this, this is fall? Easy. This is yeah. easy. Octopus's Garden is an amazing song. It's written by any of them. Amazing songs. The imagery, I want to be warm below the storm and all that type of stuff. You, write, you, you learn that song as a child in school when you're about five years old to sing. I've had my son come home from school singing. It's something that they just, it's little kids. It talks about yeah. things and we'd be warm and we'd be happy, me and mm-hmm. you. No one there to tell us what to do. And that's what children don't like. They, they, they don't have any control. And so that it, so for children, that song's, and so as an adult, when I listen to that song, uh, it takes me back to being a kid. And I sing that song to my kids. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so I would put by a mile, uh, Octopus's Garden, but then like we're talking like the ones that Ringo wrote or the ones that just Ringo sang. Just Ringo then, sang. You know, just Ringo with sang. Little, with a little help from my friends is number two. You think you think Octopus's Gardens before with a little help from my friends? I do indeed. Yes, I do indeed. Okay. Uh, I do. Do I think it's above the Joe Cocker cover of with a little help from my friends? Now you got another fucking uh, dilemma. With a little help, my friend. No, no, no. You're okay. You're you're you're. I, I see what you're saying. Um, 
excluding Joe Cocker's version, I, I think the reason I would put with a little help of my friends above Octopus's Garden is the transition perfectly between Sergeant Pepper's into the song. It almost sounds just like when you did the jam. The first time you did the yeah. jam, we did Sergeant Pepper into that. And it because it's two saw it's one, it's almost like a, a smaller, tighter version of a day in the life. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's things in the same thing, which is which I fucking love. Um, and then, and then the next one, which I've never understood a boy t- singing this song, but boys. What song is Let's that? Let's talk about boys, uh, boys, da 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 da, boys. That one. <laughs> I don't know this one. What is what record? Is oh, that, that was that was a big hit, boys. He still sings it in his concerts now. That was like in the real early up. They used to do that in like the the cabin and the, and all that type of stuff. And it, it was one of those songs that he really ripped on the he really ripped on the drums while singing. It's what it's it's, it's it's something to see him perform it now. Fuck, dude! I don't even know this one. It's, it's you know, yeah, it's a, it's a, play, play play the song real quick. I want to hear it. Boys, <laughs> I know what boys like. I know what right, girls like. Play, play, play the song. You want me Adam, to play the song? Adam, you got it. Adam's pulling it up. Here we go. I've never heard this. It slaps. He is. Let's. Can we just stop this for a second? He is aged. I know he's coloring his beard and everything, and probably getting Botox, but he looks phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. He's not yeah, aging at all. No, and he's the oldest. He was the oldest police. Still, he's the oldest member of the band. That's so crazy. He's gonna he's gonna be the last one. He's gonna be the the B Arthur, not the B Arthur, the Betty White of the Beatles. That's, now- that's a bit like like you, you can pitch it now. Like I've been told when a boy meets a girl, take a trip around the world. Hey, hey, chop the bump, bump, bump. It's, it's a great song. Like them in the cabin track. You know, what yeah, I mean? that would be yeah. Then they're I bet all that's shaking slapped. and moving the wobbling their heads. Type of I bet that's like. If, if you listen to it now, it's a good fucking old school get up and dance song. Yeah. No, you're right. That that was a, that was a, that's a great song. That's a great song. I just surprised I never heard it. Is there is there any others that we're missing? Because I feel like that's we could cap it at that. Was there any others that we were can like, cap it? They're, they're my top three. Yeah, it's, I think that's all you need. Because if that's if I don't if I never heard boys, I probably don't know the other ones. Oh, also, yeah, but. I'm not I'm not slapping in this this one into the top four. So, but I don't <laughs> mind this one. Anytime you hear Ringo's song, it's a happy thing. Yeah, it feels good. It definitely feels good. All right, it's only love. Um, filler or no filler? Oh well, hold yeah, on. I got this. I've got this. Nope. Album. I've got this. I've got this. This is a goodie. This is a goodie. Adam, good find on this. John Lennon once said that this was the only song he wrote that he truly hated. Lennon told British journalist Ray Connolly, "It's the most embarrassing song I ever wrote. Everything rhymed. Disgusting lyrics." Even then, I was so ashamed of the lyrics, I could hardly sing them. That was one song I really wished I'd never written. It's only love. <laughs> well, we all have gags like that, you know what I mean? Sure. I, I guess I guess they never had to do it in concert. I think that was one of the beautiful things about being in the Beatles is everyone always talks about, like they, Paul McCartney on every tour now does a song that's never been performed live really? by a Beatle. 
you know what I mean? So it's like, and then he has to go back and listen to the albums and figure out how this this song might be done live, you know, if it's a more experimental song or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, you don't think about that. They recorded in the 60s. We've sung them a thousand times, but none of them have sung them. Hmm. So Was I bet it- you that one never got on the bloody, uh, never, never, we, I bet you there's no live recordings of it then. Is he doing, it that much? But he's doing, he's doing not just Paul songs. He's doing John or George songs or even Ringo songs as well when he does that. Yeah, he does. He does. Well, now he does in concert. He does a little George Harrison section. Yeah, I know, know that. Where he, where he, where he does, does something, something on the ukulele. I've seen him do uh, Give Peace a Chance, you know, like songs that, you know, I've seen him do things like that on stage. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Um, I don't think it's that bad. I'm sorry, John, that you hated it. I fucking yeah. love that. It's all right. Is it filler? It's all right. Possibly. Uh, uh, you like me too much is another George song. Um, yeah, this this that one's weaker than the first song you did on the album. But yeah, this is still in the era where they're like, all right, George, you've got another song. So, so I want to get to this one. I want to get to this one because this, this, there's a part on this record that might be my favorite part of the whole album. Uh, tell me what you see. Uh, it's a Paul song, but there's a lot of John in it. Um, can you play? Do you have it pulled up, Adam? Do you have the track? Can you go to like a minute 35? The, what makes this song so great? Cause it's not, it's, it's still in that your hide your love away sound. The drums in this uh, almost have a, have that tomorrow never dies breakdown. Like just, I, I feel like this is right there on that bridge where they're just in a little inkling of, of revolver. Don't you realize now what you see is me. Tell me. Just that little drum breakdown. It's there's nothing on the record that that sounds like that. There's nothing on any previous record that they've done that sounds like that. It just feels like this weird bridge. Like this song is the bridge between this record and Revolver. Because that's the exact same drum sound. That's the exact same drum sound of Tomorrow Never Knows. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Okay, thank you very much. All right. Yeah, it's, it's good call. <laughs> thank you very much. I, I was listening to that and I was like, this is going to be my big point from the record. This is the one. I'm no, playing. no, it's very, very apt. <laughs> thank you. Uh, I, I've just seen a face. This is, I mean, classic Paul. Classic, just perfect fucking Paul song. Uh, cheerful love ballad. Let's get... So do, you, do you have anything you want to add about this one or no? No, I like that song as well. But it's, you know, it is what it's... It, but then you finish it with this next belter and, and then I... Do they need the cover at the end? Oh, no. No, they don't. I, they don't. Lizzie, Miss Liz, Lizzie, I have no idea why this is on the record. It, it should have ended it's, yesterday. It's like my most hated thing about the Beatles is... At the end of Abbey Road, their final album, they play Her Majesty. It pisses me off. And sometimes I feel like the band, because the last lyrics that should have come out of the Beatles' mouths should have been, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. What a lovely fucking sentence to to put out to the world. You know what I mean? And what what a true thing. You give what you get and try to be nice. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And that should have been the last thing. And then it's like, you can tell he's just like, oh, I just want to put this thing on. We'll just slap it on the end. Don't, <laughs> it's the, it's 25 crazy. seconds. Come on. <laughs> now, this album could have finished with yesterday. Started with help and finished with yesterday. 
And, you know, yeah. this is back when people used to listen to albums in their entirety. And how big, great a full stop would have that been? No, you're right. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, that's definitely, I don't want to call it, it's filler for a hundred percent, but it's, it's definitely takes that, that, that weight, the weight of exactly you said it opening with help closing with yesterday. It's like, why would you put, cause I actually like her majesty. I actually really like that. I know that ending with the, the lyrics from the end, that sentence would have been like, and I, in a sense, I feel like they did. The end. I the know, I know. The end. It was their last I know, album. I know, but the, but Her Majesty, it's like the, the the song fades out. You wait like thirty seconds, and then it's It's such a it's such like a little Paul Diddy, and it's just so. I think it's perfect. I think it's perfect at the end of Abbey Road. I, I get what you say, a hundred percent. I but I but on the other hand, for this, not at all. Not at all. They shouldn't have been on there. So we're not even going to talk about it. But let's let's find out all the weird facts about yesterday. So this came in at number 72 on Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 songs of all time. And that's the 2021 list. Uh, while not on the U.S. album release, it was it released. It wasn't on the U.S. album release. No, it was released as a single in the States in September 65 and reached number ones on the charts. It lost out to Tony Bennett's The Shadow of Your Smile for Song of the Year, which is fucking insane because I have no idea about The Shadow of Your Smile. Um, inducted in the Grammy Hall of Fame in 97. It was voted the best song of the 20th century in a 1999 BBC Radio 2 poll, uh, which had music experts and listeners, is voted the number one pop song of all time by MTV and Rolling Stone magazine the following year. Carney's vocal and acoustic guitar together with the string quartet essentially made for the first solo performance of the band. Oh, wow. Concerning the debate on how the song should be released, album producer George Martin later said, yesterday wasn't really a Beatles record, uh, and I discussed this with Brian Epstein. You know, this is a Paul song. Shall we call it Paul McCartney? And he said, no, whatever we do, we are not splitting up the Beatles. Hmm. Yeah, that's, I get that. Fair I mean, this, Fair enough. You still, you still, he still gets the credit. He's still the one singing it. Everyone knows it's his song, you know? Mm -hmm. The, 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 there's the, there's the story that, that, you know, I've had this with, with jokes as well, where you wake up and the joke just appears in your head and you worry to yourself, you're like, is that someone else's joke? And so you ask every comedian, have you heard a joke like this? Cause it feels like you've written such a simple routine that someone else must've come up with it. Yeah. And so Paul reckons he dreamt that song. He, he reckons he woke up, he had the song in his head. And then he performed it. He thought it might have been an old classic, and he he probably shipped it. He shipped he he shopped it around for about to his friends and everything for about three months until he figured out. Oh, I guess I must have written it. You know. Fuck, Fuck man. Just to be able so, to wake up. The, I can see that. You wake up and then you you're just like it's something oh, for, like this. for a month. He went around to people. Yeah, for a month. I mean, so it, a it's, it's it's like you said, dude. This has been covered by where do we have it? Is it at the well, end? I remember reading a statistic in the 90s that had been covered by over 2,000 people. So I assume it's much worse now or much better now, you know. But Elvis Presley did a cover. Frank Sinatra did a cover. Boys the Men. Ray Charles. Boys Ray Charles. Men. Tom Jones, Marvin Gaye, Presley, The Supremes, Andy Williams. You were right. It, was, it has been covered over 2,200 times. Recorded versions. Recorded. Mm. And uh, BMI asserts that it was performed over 7 million times in the 20th century. Chuck, yeah. Berry, Chuck Berry said yesterday was the song that he wished he had written. 
Um, McCartney. Greggy Robinson did it like a real big cover of it, like a big dramatic one. Where he oh, I mean, I, like- I've heard, I've heard so many of it, uh, and it, it's just it holds up. But I don't think there's any better version than than the Paul McCartney one. I don't care what you do. I've heard some Beatles songs taken, like uh, I've heard "Hey Jude" by Wilson Pickett, and I'm like, oh man, that fucking. But there's something about just this version. I was listening to it obviously today and and yesterday, and it's like you just, it's so fucking good. It's so perfect. It is everything, this emotions and love and thinking about the past and thinking about the future. And it's like, it's, it's the quintessential, you know, Beatles. Well, you got to think that 95% of the population can relate to it. 100%. There's a, there, everyone's had some relationship where you're not even quite sure. It was, everything was perfect a day ago. I said something wrong. I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Everyone's had that conversation. Yeah. Or felt that way. All right. So we got some Patreon questions. Uh, this is from Justin. Is yesterday overrated or just overplayed? Uh, I don't think it's either thing. That's just Justin's opinion. It's not overrated or overplayed. I think, I think, I think the, how can you say so they, they made a movie called yesterday a few years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they started off with that song. And even when the guy sings it, the thing, it's like there's a moment in the movie where the Beatles have been forgotten. He plays the song and everyone's just like, wow, that is the best song ever, you know, right in that moment, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like very few songs you could even pull off that thing on stage, on, on screen, if it wasn't. Yeah. Like, do you think it's overplayed or overrated? No. I don't. I, I and and even if it is overplayed, I don't think it's. I don't think it's. But, like, but what is what is what does overplayed mean? You, uh, there's really no oldies channels anymore. You can't tune in to hear classic rock stations that are going to play you the Beatles. Now they're just fucking a bit of talkback with a couple of songs and a thing. Radio doesn't exist as it did before, so the, it's only going to be overplayed if you fucking requested it on Spotify. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I don't. I, I don't think this is overrated at all. I don't think it's overplayed. If anything, it should be played more. It's it's one of the greatest songs. I mean, like like all the, all the it's not just us saying this. It's this is the critics. Everything we just read. This is like I, I, I bet you it's a type of thing that I've never been a songwriter. I've never written a song, but I bet you if you were someone who was learning to write songs, especially on the acoustic guitar, that would be a piece that you would try to emulate for sure. That or like Blackbird. Blackbird, yeah. Blackbird's, Blackbird's another one that like when you just get a guitar, you start trying to figure that shit out. Oh, they do that on the Beatles Love album, which is one of the greatest mashup albums of all time. You know, yeah. what they did for the Cirque du Soleil thing. Yeah. They play, they play the intro to Blackbird and it seamlessly goes into Yesterday. And you're like, fuck, they're good songs. Yeah, and they do great. it very quickly, that little bit. They're great. All right, let's do... Um, Let's do the rapid fire and let's get you out of here. But I do want you to to tell a story, if you will. All right, here, let's do that first. Would you tell this story about the jacket? Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the jacket. Okay, so so I've got a I've got a silver crocodile skin Jean Vivardis <laughs> jacket. It's great. That's worth six. That's worth six thousand dollars. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't quite fit me right. That I've worn maybe twice, and it's the most garish. You've seen the jacket. Have you worn it at the jam? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's only I think there's only sixty of them on earth. It's a numbered item of clothing. You got number forty six. <laughs> yeah, I got I got number forty six. Yeah, I do number forty six. Got forty two yeah. or something. 
Anyway, so so I try, I went to I, I buy a lot of my leather jackets that I wear on stage from John Vivardis. Not all of them, but most of them. And I um they they always have as their models they have uh different um rock stars. They don't use normal rock stars. So one time they used Kiss and then they use Willie Nelson and stuff like that. So it's not always models, it's just like rock stars because rock stars dress cool, right? Yeah. And so the the model for that season of clothes was Ringo Starr. And so in the in the uh I want to say it's on Melrose, the John Vivada store in LA, they have a little tiny car park that can only fit like four cars, you know. Yeah. And they invited me because I bought a couple of things there to be part of the VIP whatever to to uh see <laughs> See Ringo in concert. Sure. Ringo performed a few songs, but they also want you to go in there and buy a few of the items off the off the list. Yeah, you know, you yeah. get to see the range first or whatever it is, right? <laughs> I'm not much of a fashionista, so I don't. Really... <laughs> so anyway, I go down there with my friend, and I put this jacket on, and it's the ugliest fucking thing I have ever seen so in my bad. life. And I looked at it. And most of the jackets are like three grand, which is expensive, but this one was six grand. And I was like, and I put it on, it has a big Elvis collar up to here, all in silver alligator skin, yeah, right? Dude. Silver. <laughs> I, I look like a glitter ball with all the, all the bits from the, the crocodile skin. Anyway, so I'm there and I, I was like, what fucking idiot would ever purchase a thing like this? And then I hear this, you look fab in that jacket. And I turn around, it's Ringo Starr. And I'm wearing this ugly ass jacket that costs six grand. And he goes, that's a real nice piece. That would look fab in your, he's using the word fab. Like he goes, that would look fab in your wardrobe. And he goes, you should get that. And I was like, you, you think? And then it's like a beetle tells you to get a fucking item of clothing. You just you fucking it. get it. You get it. And I was, there's a bit of me that's like, I'll take it back. But now it's like, it just sits in my wardrobe. And I think about Ringo Starr and it, it just, even in my wardrobe, all my jackets are hanging out. This one thing just pops out like this. <laughs> the silver alligator. It's, dude, just for the story alone, it's fucking worth it. The Beatles <laughs> tells you to fucking buy something or you look good in something. You got to believe them and you fuck, dude. <laughs> uh, you fucking buy it. You buy it. If fucking Paul tells me to wear assless chaps, I'm wearing assless chaps, bro. That's how this world's. Where did you meet Paul in LA? He was, I, were you? Yeah. Remember he was coming to the improv for a while and, yeah, yeah. and he would, he would sit in the back of comedy juice of all shows. And he was there, I would say for a month, every Wednesday. And I was lucky enough to be able to do a set uh, on one of those shows. And when I came by, I had a good set. And I came by and he just like, he, I didn't, I never touched him. I didn't shake his hand, but he was just like, he was like, good job. And I was just like, ah, oh. and I, from, I know, and I know you've probably seen some of the pictures because he wouldn't take pictures with anybody, but Dane Cook, Owen Benjamin and my buddy Avery got like a weird photo shoot with him in the bathroom, in the bathroom. It's the most insane photos you've ever seen. Uh, you know, and, and Dane, I understand. Owen, you know, of course, went apeship crazy and he opened up a fucking, you know, a ruby red farm in Idaho and he's lost his fucking mind. But Avery, I mean, he's he deserves it. Avery is such a good dude. He loves the Beatles so much. It just means everything to him. And I mean, even just 
peeing. Well, I, I was. He went to the bathroom. Yeah, he there went is to it. The, he went to the bathroom, and it was me, uh, Crystalia, Aziz Ansari, and Judd Apatow. Yeah. And so, so they 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 cleared out the bathroom for him so he could go have a piss. You know, he's an eighty year old man. And then um, when he was coming out, they told us they said, "Oh, look, you know." He's going to come out and there's no one there, you know. And so we all nonchalantly went and stood near the bathroom door. And so, you know, at that stage, you know, I was probably a, a more popular comic than I am now. And then Aziz was, it was Aziz, Aziz and Crystal yeah. uh, Leah was, every, everything was before, right? Yeah, <laughs> the way we're back. So we're all, we're all standing there, four mildly famous people, right? Yeah. We're four mildly famous people waiting for an actual famous person to come out, you know? <laughs> so so we all stood there, and I, I never seen a person move with faith. You know, after I finished a gig and people were waiting for me at the stage door, I, I always try to talk to them for a bit and thing, but you always try to keep moving a little bit. Otherwise, you know, you don't know if someone's going to be yeah. talking to you for us or something like that, yeah? Sure. So he looked at the floor and he goes, oh, man, he goes, Look at all the superstars out here. I didn't know whether this is where all the superstars went to go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> and we all had our phones like really thick phones. We're like, <laughs> and he goes, he goes, you were great, you were great. And he shook my head. He goes, you're a dirty boy, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> and then he left, and it was, you know what? I don't need any more meeting. That was all I wanted. He, he did everything. He ticked all the boxes for me in that fucking five seconds. You're a dirty boy, aren't you? <laughs> That's, you should name your tour that the dirty boy tour. Just like, just like that. Nah, I mean, this is. I mean, when Paul tell, gives tells you a dirty boy, you got to tell the world that you are a dirty. dirty but I remember boy. I was on stage doing anal sex jokes, and then you see, you have to look, man. You look over, and you're like, ah, McCartney likes the anal gag. <laughs> Yeah, dude. He's in a butt stuff. Fuck yeah, dude. I love it. I love it. All right. Let's let's do some rapid fire questions. Get you out of here, man. This is so much fun. Sure. All right. Favorite song on the record? Uh yesterday. Okay. Um, a bit cliche, but you know, here we are. I, I think I'm gonna go with help. I think I'm gonna go with help because I, I just I wanna sing it at the jam. I love it. It's I think it's perfect. And especially after we talked about it, it adds a little more weight. Least favorite song on the record. Uh, I'd, I'd say it's only love. Yeah, it's only love. I was. I'm surprised you didn't say ticket to ride. Really thought. Oh yeah, ticket to ride. Fuck, least favorite ticket to ride. Yeah, ticket to ride. Least <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, stick yeah, to your. Right. Stick to your. Dude, do you stick to your fucking guts? Dude. I try to forget about that one. You see, and it works. <laughs> uh, I think I'm gonna go with. Uh, this is a tough one. Uh, the night before, or. Yeah. What's the one that's like, it's not, I like it's only love. Ah, fuck dude. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say act naturally. So I'm going to say, um, all right. What song on this record would you fuck to? It, it, fuck or make love. See, a big difference. Fuck. Um, do it, do it. The, the question's <laughs> fuck, dude. The question's <laughs> fuck, dude. I'm talking fuck. It's what's, fuck. what's it's fuck. Let me have a look at this. <laughs> have a look. I'm going to have a look here. Uh, what are you gonna? What are you gonna make them cheeks clap to? Because <laughs> okay, help's not a good one. Because you know, what if anyone needs help in the situation? Uh, <laughs> you've got to hide your love away. 
I need you. I had you love away. He's not a good one. No. Uh, you know what I think it is? Yeah. You know what I think it is? Dizzy Miss Lizzie. That's the fucking I song. I think Dizzy Miss Lizzie is what you <laughs> fuck to, man. I think that's what you fuck to, dude. Make love. Yeah, yeah. Make love. You got to do, of course, uh, the fucking. How'd you love a way you can do it? it you maybe the lyrics aren't right, but it's the right, the right vibe. You could also fuck to. You could also fuck to. I've just seen a face. One night stand. Um, all right, this is a question I, I actually w- I wanted because I wrote down and I think I've actually, s- I'd fuck the help. I think help would be a thumb you can fuck the help. Fuck you it. can fuck the help. Um, <laughs> what this is this is this is the thing I, I was I was curious which Beatle and I'll explain the question which Beatle won this record, meaning like who who was the most Paul. important Beatle Paul because of yesterday? Oh, you know? no, I'm going to say John because you got to hide your love away and help. It's probably. It's by a shot by by a nose, John. Yeah, looking at the tracks. I mean, look, dude. If we're going by, if we're going by the big tracks, you've got help is John. The night before, Paul. Hide your love away is John. I need you, George. Another girl, Paul. You're gonna lose that girl, John. Ticket to ride. Even though we, you hate it, it's a number one song. That's John. <laughs> Act naturally. It's only love. Yeah. And, and I think, and I'm just seeing, but you know, but Paul's got fucking Paul's got yesterday. Paul's got yesterday. Um, and then the last question, uh, where does this record rank in your Beatles list of their best? Is it on the high end, the low end, or if you have any idea of like how to like, what's your favorite? It sits pretty close to the middle. Uh, maybe, out of 12, I might rank it seven. Yeah, no, I mean, looking at the list, I mean, it's, it's, it's not my, it's not my favorite by any means. Like I'm definitely think Abbey road, white album, Sergeant, uh, piece them revolver. So, so yeah. just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to rank them, but no, no, no. I can name six albums that are better. And I, I, I think, so you, revolver, rubber salt, uh, Sergeant Pepper, Abbey Road, and what would be another one? I'm not even going to put the wide album in. Let it be. I don't think. So. Yeah, maybe let it be. I think. I think this is actually. I think I enjoy this. I think. Yeah. I think where you put it is perfect. I say right in the middle. This is like middle Six ground. Seven. Yeah, I, I would put that right around the same place. Um, dude, this ruled, man. Uh, I can't thank you enough for for coming on and and talking about it. But uh, anything you want to promote, bud? Besides, I know you the podcast. I don't know about uh, the- just the podcast. I'm on tour. Go to jimjeffries.com. We got. Uh, I'm coming to a town near you. Okay, I love you, buddy. All right, love you too, mate. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Jim Jeffries uh, on the pod, y'all. Follow him uh, on all social media at Jim Jeffries. Uh, his podcast, I don't know about that, with Jim Jeffries. And he's on tour right now. He's coming to a city near you. So go to www.jimjeffries.com for all things Jim and get those tickets. Oh, I want to see if you're listening. If you're listening to this podcast, we're going to start doing it. Because it really worked out well with Backstreet Slide. Here's what I want you guys to tweet at me if you were listening to this podcast all the way through. Patty Boyd got that good, good. 
Patty Boyd got that good good. Tweet at us, fucking Instagram. If you listen to this episode and you made it this far, I want to see if you're listening. Patty Boyd got that good good. Or just Patty got that good good. Patty got that good good. P-A-T-T-I-E got that good good. If you're listening, we'll know. For listener shout out this week, I want to give a shout out to Tree Diseaser. Mayor McCheese at Tree Diseaser. T-R-E-E-D-I-S-E-A-S-E-R. You rule, dude. You rule. All right, guys, for new music uh, pick this week, we've got uh, my buddy from Vancouver, uh, Eric Novak. You're the man. Eric, I love you, buddy. Uh, It's his band, Bad Magic, and they are a rock and roll, R&B, blues, heavy metal band from uh, up north, Canada, fucking Vancouver. And you're listening to the song Fool Underwater, and it rules, and they rule, and dig their shit. You can find their links to the music on our website, the500podcast.com. And if you were in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you weren't your music featured on the 500, send us your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. Next week is who we got? Ooh, Neely Young. He's in the news right now because he's anti-Spotify, anti-Dark Lord Spotify. So are we. Uh, It's his album, Tonight's the Night. It's from 1975. Do your homework, y'all. Stay fleecy. Think it's right. Oh, I got this heart stuck in my mind. So while I'm going over, we should better luck with the four leaf clover. Then I'm seeing blue. Darling, I'm dying here in your living room. Take a ride, you can make it through. Well, the only way back is to see through. That's the truth.
Lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Next Chapter Podcasts.